folks, how's it going? This is Cams with another episode of Quoth the Camser. It's been a few days. I was trying to remember when I last recorded. It was the day before we did something. What was that thing? When I said I expect I'll come back and talk to you about it. I can't remember what it was. Nope, no clue. So, move on. Look to the future. It's Tuesday morning. It's an interesting day in so many ways. I'm heading off tonight to Oban to join the Lady of Avenel, a sailing ship who's going to take us to Ireland. So we'll be leaving Oban on Wednesday morning and sailing over to Derry in Ireland, returning on Sunday evening, flying from Derry to Glasgow, and then I'll be overnighting in Glasgow before heading home on Monday, so it's basically a week. So that's a very interesting part of the day, the day's conversation, and also the schools are back. Yep, Scottish schools returned from their summer holidays yesterday. So now my daughter Freya is in fourth year, or S4 as they like to call it now. And my son is in second year, S2. So the march of time continues. I walked down with Hamish this morning, brought the dogs, so that's a nice little part of my routine reinstated and went to the co-op for milk and juice and bread, staples and I'm now heading back home where I need to get my bags packed and get ready for being picked up tonight at five and head up to Loch Ranza in the north of the island to catch the cloning ferry and thence to Oban. So it's going to be fun. So, my in-laws, they left this morning. They got the 7am ferry off the island. And they're flying from Glasgow down to, to Cornwall. So they were here for a week. So, in many ways, it's been rather an extraordinary two weeks. So there has been no comfort of routine, disruption. And it's odd, as I was coming out today, I was thinking about that because, you know, with the schools being back, it feels like I'm back into the routine, but I'm actually not because of this sailing trip. And I was thinking about the comfort of routine and how comfortable I actually find it. I suppose my sort of autistic predilections mean that routine is something I perhaps find more comfort in than, than everybody else. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. But I do enjoy my life as it's, as it's become now, where I get up and enjoy the work that I'm doing. And I enjoy what that's doing for my overall well-being and mental health. There you go, it didn't take me long to mention that, did it? <laughs> I suppose that's 
partly what this podcast, I suppose that, well, let's say it's the main theme of this podcast. It's certainly my main MO for starting it so that I can explore my own mental health through monologue and gathering my thoughts. So that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to continue it because what's it been now, two weeks or something? And I'm still really enjoying it and getting a lot out of it. I generally listen back to them once they hit overcast and download to my phone. And I quite enjoy listening back as well. I don't know if that's voyeuristic or anything like that, but I I think it's good. It's good to listen back to myself as I get my thoughts in order and perhaps learn through that what needs to change in the podcast. I've got some wind blowing into the mic now. I suspect it's okay though. Gosh, it's been such a long time. I could probably talk for quite a long time. So I need to be wary of not making this too long. So yeah, the in-laws were here for a week and it was lovely to see them. Yeah, I think I shared a bit before their arrival about I was going to try and not be resentful and I, you know, it did creep in now and again but I think the takeaway that I've got now is that, you know, family is is important and having just gone through that anniversary of my mum's death, while they were here, you know, it added another kind of poignancy to their visit. And when I said goodbye to them last night, you know, there was a little tug of emotion. I suppose knowing, as I do, of parents' mortality, you just never know, do you? And I went through that with my parents, never knowing when I said goodbye, if that would be the last time. Of course, no one ever knows when anyone's time is coming up. So being a parent has really nothing to do with that. Everybody dies, right? Velar Morgulis. But yeah, it was lovely to see them and, you know, we we shared some some nice moments. Most of it was spent eating. (laughs) They seemed to enjoy eating more than anything else. So a lot of the time was spent around either eating or working out where and what we were going to eat. So, yeah, it was nice to see them, and I hope they have a safe journey home today. And Saturday, ah, was that what it was? I spoke about on Saturday morning, didn't I? It's just come back to me. I had my Royal Arch meeting on Saturday, and my brother didn't come. Yes, that's what I was going to come back and share about. Um, I did very well on the Friday by organising, making phone calls to some mainland visitors that I knew were coming to have the empty offices filled in for the day. I don't think we've ever had a meeting in our chapter where local companions have filled in every office. We are struggling. Hopefully that's getting better now that we've got a new member as of Saturday and also my brother joined last year at the same time and I believe next year 
his son, my nephew, will be joining us too. So hopefully we're things are going to get a little easier. We'll see, we'll see. But it, it was quite an emotional day for me. It was a very successful day, despite the fact that I missed out a huge chunk of my lecture and didn't realise until I sat down. I did jumble up some of the the order of the words in my lecture and in my obligation. But we got through it and I think it, it was received very well. And we had a great number of visitors, which we are always blessed to have. But I mean, this one in particular, we had a, quite a lot come from Ayrshire, which is my home ground. And we had a couple of locals come along that don't often come. So that was fantastic, really heartwarming. So I'm optimistic, I think optimistic at that our chapter will survive and perhaps even grow. So that was good. Saturday night we went out for dinner to Crofters and that was that was a fun a fun night. We all enjoyed the food which oh don't know if you can hear that. Is it a heron? It's coming from up in the trees. It's rather a strange sound. The nature around here is spectacular. Living on an island. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> anyway, yes, dinner was great. My wife doesn't normally enjoy the crofters' food. She's not fond of over-flavoured food. So, spicy food, garlic, onions, those sorts of flavours she doesn't generally enjoy. And she's vegetarian. But this time she really enjoyed the food. And even my father-in-law, who didn't complain about the food last time he was here, complained about it this time, about the last time, by saying that this time the food was fantastic and last time was rubbish. <laughs> Something like that, anyway. And so everybody enjoyed the food. It was great. Even Hamish enjoyed his chicken dippers. And the music was good too. It was a guy called Mike Edwards, whom I'd never heard before. Singer-songwriter, acoustic guitar player. He also had a nylon-strung guitarlele. I don't know why it's called that. It's really just a small guitar. But it was a very sweet little instrument. I mean, let me have a shot on it before, we, before he kicked off. And uh, we had a nice conversation during his break, which I ought to have recorded really as I, I got a little bit of his story his music story you know about how he got into playing live and and that sort of thing so there's a wee lesson there I should carry my mics and when I'm semi working or even full time working in crofters I should try and interview people with mics on even if it's just my little zoom H4N. I could just sit that on the counter. That would work too. But it was a great conversation. It was nice to meet Mike and I enjoyed, I enjoyed his music. He had some really interesting covers of well-known songs that weren't immediately recognisable. So he's obviously changed them around and 
made them his own, which I, I admire greatly. Where covers are concerned, I tend to try and copy the originals. And you know, there are instances when I haven't done that, and they've been much more satisfactory. Luca comes to mind actually, Suzanne Vega. I used to play the the straight Suzanne Vega version, and fairly recently changed it up for a tribute album that the Toys have recorded. Uh, the Toys are part of a group called the Undertow which is it's basically an online fan club of Suzanne Vega and this is the second album that they've put out a tribute album of cover songs so for that one I recorded Luca and changed the version up I even added some electric guitar to it which was quite an interesting thing for me because I'd never done that before and I now no longer have that guitar it's a way on, what's the word? A shop has it to sell for me. It's actually the shop where I bought it. And they've had it now for over a year. So I'm kind of thinking, maybe I'll just ask for it back. Because of the whole Gretsch fiasco. And I tried to buy a Gretsch White Falcon earlier this year and it all went tits up because they sent the wrong one. And then they sent the wrong one again. And then they said they couldn't get the right one and I ended up not getting any so that actually worked out because you know I didn't have to spend that money which we actually didn't have <coughs> it's one of those obsession type deals but I'm still yeah still lusting after a great white falcon and I'm sure there will be one in my future so and the other big bit of news haha this is a bit of news that I've been kind of holding back on from sharing publicly because of sensitivities. You know, other people are involved. But now it's about to come out public. Uh, it's quite a long story, actually. So I don't know whether to get it all on tape now. Hmm. I'll keep it brief then. Uh, I bought a post office in 2007. And that's what brought us to Aaron from Luxembourg. I moved here in January 2008 and we started running the business just at the end of January 2008 and Post Office Limited began a programme called Network Transformation, NT, where they were trying to get, well basically the idea was to get the post office business to be self-sustainable without having to rely on government subsidy, which it had been since its inception, since its privatisation, not its inception, which was something that happened under the Conservative government of the 80s when Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister. So they were trying to find ways to do that. So the first part was to close a bunch down, which they did. The second part was to change the structure under which postmasters operate. That's my position. I am postmaster and I get salary and commission. So the deal was basically that they would change the contracts to make it salary free, so commission only. And by way of recompense, they would pay postmasters to refurbish their premises. And in most cases, not 
100%, they would pay 50% in some cases, which was going to be what happened for me. So I said no, I wasn't happy with that. Uh, so I took another option, which was to leave with a leaver's payment, which meant that Post Office Limited had to find a replacement postmaster. And that took them seven years. I say took in the past tense because, yep, they've found a new operator. So it's going to public consultation this week. I haven't actually had official confirmation of that. But we had a visit last week from two people who came over and gave me my last trading date and explained how things would proceed. Which basically means we could be out by end of October beginning of November. So it goes to public consultation, which I'm not quite sure how that works, how they put posters up and stuff, I'm not sure, but basically they ask the public or inform the public that the post office is going to be changing hands and they look for feedback from the public to see what their thoughts are. So that could take us to uh, middle of October and then there's a two-week period where they collate all of the feedback and make a decision. So it's not 100%. There could be some something that crops up in the consultation that prevents it from happening. I don't see that really happening and they both said that they'd never known it to happen in all the years of the network transformation program so we're quite confident but trying not to count our chickens it does mean however that we've got to figure out what to do with all the stock when do we hold the sale if we hold the sale and then it goes pear-shaped we just lost a lot of money it's it's a difficult one to navigate actually from a business perspective because Nothing's ever certain with post office, you know. And the other sticking point we have is the lease. We have to, according to the lease, we have to submit 12 months notice to break the lease. But of course you can't submit 12 months notice when you've been trying to get rid of it for seven years. And it then happens within a few months. So... The ridiculous thing about it is that Post Office Limited are my landlord. So they're basically taking my job away from me. Or not, you know, I'm giving it up. But to help them out with their profitability plan. But they're also the landlord. So they say, okay, you're out of a job, but we're still going to charge you 12 months for rent on an empty building. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any kind of sense, but it is what it is, and we'll just have to figure it out. So we've got some, sent an email off to my solicitor, I've sent an email and had some assistance from the Communication Workers Union, of which I've been a member for a couple of years now, and we'll see what comes of it. So... Yeah, that's quite a long chat today, isn't it? But I, I had, I did have a lot of news, so... Yeah, so I'm going to get back up the, the road. Clover's now eating 
brambles off the bushes. The brambles are out early this year. It's usually kind of end of September, October that the brambles ripen. But this year we've got some ripe ones now. In the middle of August. So she enjoys picking off the black ones, the ripe ones. So <laughs> I'm going to have to drag her away now. Get up to the house, get some breakfast, get my packing done. And figure out a few logistical things about how to travel with too much gear. <laughs> right, back home. I didn't share my baggage story, but I'll do that another time. And also my ideas for creating content while I'm away on the ship and heading towards the ship. There we are, 21 minutes. Yeah, it's about normal length. So I'll leave it there, folks. I'll say cheery bye. And thanks for listening. Don't forget to share this with your friends if you enjoy listening to an almost 50-year-old rambling into a microphone about his life. Then let your friends know. And find me on Patreon, where you can support my guitar channel. I do have an interview lined up. It's almost finished, but I didn't quite manage it. And with the disruption, it's not ready for publishing. So it's going to be at least another week before that goes out, which is a real shame. Just time got the better of me. But, uh, well, it'll, it'll be out soon. Clive Carroll talking about his, his guitar playing career. Right, folks, back home. I'll speak to you all soon. Bye.